0: If you brought your Bibles. I hope you did. Turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter one. One, one beautiful text today. Jonathan Edwards said this about grace. I love Jonathan Edwards. He said, "Grace is but glory begun, and glory is but grace perfected." What a great, what a great line about the definition of grace. Amen. Ephesians chapter one, beginning with the fourth through the eighth verse. I've selected several translations to read from today and uh, permit me, maybe many of you are reading in the ESV, but I want to read from the New Living Translation as well as the New American Standard Version co- copy because of the language is so beautiful. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 8, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us, chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God, did, de, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Verse 7, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he Purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He showed He He has showered, excuse me, His kindness uh, on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Let's pray, Father. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, Lord. We thank You for Your Word; it never returns void. We thank you for what you're about to do in this room today and as we look at this word adoption and understand the term, the meaning and the idea behind the adoption that we have in you, Lord, what a blessing it is to know that we are only saved by your grace through the shedding of blood and the regenerate hearts that we have. We're saved because we receive you as our Savior. And Father, we are enjoying our family with you because you have adopted us into your family. And Lord, we thank you for that. We love you, we bless you, and we do praise you. Now, Father, do your work in this place today, and we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said Amen. The message is truth. The only way one gets into God's family is by regeneration, being born again. We enter into God's family by regeneration, but we enjoy God's family by adoption. I have an attorney who serves on our board. He actually is actually a chairman. He gave me a note recently about uh, one of his clients had passed away, a very wealthy man in the state of Alabama. Uh, he was a wealthy man and he uh, had a will and all of that. And so they were beginning to execute the will of this gentleman. And so he got to all the family and he told me, he said, I'm not going to tell you who it is because that's a client privilege thing and it's none of your business. But I think it's funny how he had changed his will a little bit. Because all the family gathered around the conference table in his law office to open up the will for it to be executed and to be passed out what was going to be left to all the members. And so my uh, chairman of our ministry, a board uh, on our board, also an attorney, he opened up the will of one of his uh, one of his clients and he changed the name to give me this. So I'm going to give it to a different. He said, I. John Jones, being of sound mind and body, spent it all. You say, wait a minute, that's kind of sad, isn't it? Did he really do He said, he exactly did. He had given every dime of it away. He said he knew his kids and his grandkids, what they would do with the resources that they had. So he allocated and gave all the resources away to causes around the world. True story. When Jesus wrote the last will and testament for his church, he made it possible for us to share in the spiritual riches. Instead of spending it all, Jesus paid it all. He wrote into, into his will. Then he died so the will would be enforced. Then he rose again and that it might become and become into heaven's advocate or heaven's, heaven's lawyer to make sure the terms of the will were followed precisely. As if a lawyer would precisely open up one of our wheels when we pass on. He is advocated for us and he is making sure that it is operating precisely when we look at this marvelous doctrine doctrine of election the doctrine of election actually has confused some and confounded others it has it it has caused a lot of heartburn in a lot of different people I think we ought to take a deep breath and just understand that the doctrine of election is there for us to enjoy amen it's not for us to debate. It's there for us to enjoy. I have a seminary professor friend of mine, Dr. Calvin Miller. He's, on, he's in glory right now. Dr. Miller was a professor of preaching at the Beeson School of Divinity at Sanford University. Dr. Miller, well-renowned, a phenomenal, phenomenal instructor on expository preaching. Dr. Miller said this to me one day when I was asking him. I was asking Dr. Miller. I said, Dr. Miller, talk to me about the doctrine of election. There's, a, there's kind of a, a thing about that in Baptist circles these days and talk to me about that he said to explain election you might lose your mind but to explain it away you might lose your soul And I started thinking about that. He said, try to explain it. You will go crazy trying to, because on both sides of that debate, we can come up with enough scripture to balance it all out. We can always win our own personal argument on that. But folks, let me tell you something. All Christians must agree that salvation begins with God first and not man. God first and not man. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. John chapter 15, verse 16. That is the words of our Savior. I chose you. You didn't choose me. You say, wait a minute, are you part of the chosen? I absolutely am. I am totally part of the chosen because I chose to choose him because he chose me before the foundation of the world. He created me for salvation. Folks, let me tell you something. The Bible election is not, is always unto something. It is a privilege that carries a great responsibility. The sinner responds because God's grace makes him willing to respond. The mystery of divine sovereignty and human responsibility will never, ever, ever be solved on this side of glory. Not one person can solve that uh, that issue. Why? We think we can, well, some of the smartest people in the world, they still can't get it right because I believe beyond a shadow of doubt that God will tell it to us when we need to know about it and we might not even need to know about it then because all we'll be doing is worshiping him. Amen? You see, both are taught in the Bible, John chapter 6, verse 37, and both are true, and both are essentials. All persons of the Godhead are involved in our salvation. As far as God the Father is concerned, you were saved when he chose us in Christ in eternity past. As far as God the Son is concerned, you were cho- saved when he died on the cross for your sins. As far as God the Spirit is concerned, you were saved when he, when we yielded to his conviction and received him as our personal Savior and Lord. The Holy Spirit woos us to himself. God draws us to himself by convicting us of our sin. And when we come under that conviction is when we choose him or reject him. Amen? So all three of the Godhead are part of our salvation. What began in eternity past was fulfilled in time present and will continue for all of eternity. Now, I could not wait to get here today to preach on adoption. I just couldn't wait. Because I think it's one of the most unique subjects that we can understand. And when you read what the Apostle Paul tells the church in Ephesus, this is one of those things that we can drive a stake in the ground and say, hallelujah, amen, I am adopted as one of his children, amen. Amen. I wanna give you three things and several points of interest. And we're gonna unpack some scripture today. I'm not gonna dive too deep into it, but give you some ideas from it. But also, I'm gonna give you some cross-references for you to consider as well today. First of all, the message of adoption. God changes our family. When we are adopted into the family of God, he changes our family. What are you talking about, Dan? You see, folks, we plan to love us He paid the price to love us. He pursues us with his love. Now, let me say this again. He planned to love us. Look at verse 4 of our text today. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's not saying that we're not going to sin. We are going to sin. There is no such thing as a sinless person on this planet. There was only one who knew no sin. That was Jesus Christ himself. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room. But he chose us. He planned to love us. Secondly, he paid the price To love us, pick it up in verse five. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It made him happy. It gave him great pleasure. God changes our family. He planned to love us. He paid the price to love us. And this is one of my favorites right here. This made me shout when I wrote this down this week. He pursues you with his love. God pursues you. He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. He pursues us, even our warts, even our sins, our scrapes, our scars, our wickedness. He pursues us with his love. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us into himself through Jesus Christ. So the first principle is that God changes our family. Second principle for you to consider today. Not only does he change our family, but God changes our status. Now, there's a lot of things that we talk about in this country, and there's a lot of things that are going around. People have this idea that they have status. We, we feel like we need to have status. People who are wealthy, you know, we think, oh, they got Status. You know, this person has got things, he's got status. God changes our status when he saves us. We were once lost without Jesus. Now we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have been saved by his glorious grace. Look with me at Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven. Notice what Paul writes to them. And I want you to notice this because I, I really believe this can drive it home for us here today. God changes our status. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law... God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our lives, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Verse 7, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Now, folks, let me tell you something. This ought to make a Baptist shout hallelujah. You see, God saves us. He changes our status. I want you to notice there are three God sense here. There are three God-s-e-n-t, God sense in this passage for us to consider. Adoption requires someone to come along at the right time. Adoption allow, requires someone to come along at the right time time our son you know I've been telling y'all this he's getting married in a few weeks it's going to be an exciting day he will always be our son but now we're bringing a daughter into the mix you say well no she's a daughter-in-law no she's not she's going to be my daughter you know what she's going to carry a different name that's not going to change her status it's just going to change her name amen because that was the first thing I asked her you are going to take his last name aren't you there is a fashionable thing out there in some areas that some of these women are not taking the, the, the groom's name. That's okay if they don't want to be wrong, but that's okay. You see, folks, let me tell you something. It does not change her status in the eyes of the Lord, but it changes her status with me because now she becomes my daughter. You see, adoption requires someone to come along at the right time. Many, many years of our ministry, I traveled and preached at what would be considered in some Christian circles as an itinerant evangelist. I was the guy that came in and did revivals. I was more a revivalist than a, an itinerant evangelist. There's some of those guys that are crusades. They can clear their throat and just droves of people come to faith in Christ. I, it's amazing the anointing on some of these guys' lives. And Junior Hill is one of my good friends, and he has that gift of just drawing the net. I, you know, mine is more revving it up and mobilizing the body of Christ to be on mission. You know, that's kind of been our ministry over the years. But I was told recently, you know, you just came along at the right time. You came when we needed it the most. The the pastor probably has said the same things. You see, adoption requires someone to come along at the right time. Notice what the text says. But when God, when the right time, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Not only adoption requires someone to come along at the right time, Adoption requires someone who possesses the right qualifications. Notice what it says in verse 5. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could, he, he could adopt us as his very own children. You see, that's the right qualifications. Somebody came, When you're adopted, you got to have the right qualifications. I have two nieces. My brother had two children. My brother was a Vietnam War veteran. He never got over it, a disabled veteran. He never got over it. In 1977, my brother chose death over life, and he took his own life. He left a wife and two small, real small children. And Joyce was in unstable herself, and she later died uh, four or five years ago herself of some other diseases. And, and, and she left, uh, she would leave the children at home by themselves often. And so Deb and I got married in in 1980. And so shortly after we got married, she started leaving. They put the kids into foster care. And so it was just a bad scenario, bad situation. And so Deb and I applied and got approved to be foster parents for the state of Alabama. And we became foster parents to two children. We only wanted the two. That was the two that we knew that had our blood, my blood, and we wanted them. So, Alice and Mitzi, now grown women, have great husbands and great kids, and they're now grown, living on their own there in, in Birmingham. Uh, they were our children for 15, almost 15 months. And during that process, Deb and I felt strongly that we should go ahead. Now, we're a brand-new married couple in our 20s. We're brand-new. We wanted to have children of our own, but we decided, you know what? We'll just adopt these two. And so we had all the trappings. We had all the stuff. We had the bank account. We had the house. We had all the stuff, all the trinkets, all the things. The only thing that we couldn't convince was the judge. We had all the right qualifications, But the judge, being of a liberal bent, felt that necessary that if the mom would clean her act up short-term, that she'd be okay, and she ended up giving the children back. And it turned out to be okay. We, We were okay. She did turn out to be fine. But folks, let me tell you something. We had the right qualifications for adoption. You see, God sent Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our sins. God sent him to buy our freedom who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us to as his very own children. Adoption requires someone to come along at the right time. Adoption requires someone who possesses the right qualifications. And thirdly, adoption requires someone who has the right resolve. Verse 6. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. You see the three God sent. God sent, in verse 5, his son. God sent him to buy. God sent the spirit into our lives, prompting us to have a status change one that would call out, Abba, Father. See, adoption requires someone to come along at the right time, and that was Jesus. It acquires the right qualifications. Only one person could pay the penalty for our sins, and that's King Jesus. Adoption requires someone who has the right resolve. He went boldly to the throne, boldly to the cross on our behalf. God changes our family, God changes our status and finally, God changes our future, God changes our future. Notice with me, Romans chapter eight. I love Romans chapter eight. If there's only one chapter that would be inserted in Holy Scripture, I think Romans chapter eight could be that one verse, that one chapter. It is what I call the declaration of Christ's freedom in our lives is that wonderful Romans chapter eight. And I want you to notice what verses 15 through 17 says to kind of drive home the point for us to consider understanding that we have a beautiful changed future. In Romans chapter eight, verse 15, Paul writes to the church, he says... So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Verse 17, and since we are his children, watch this, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Folks, let me tell you something. If you're not suffering for what the world is going through right now, you may not be fully saved by his glorious grace. Folks, if if your heart is not burdened by what's going on in Charlotte and around the world, you may not be saved by his grace. If you're just numb to lost people around you, you may not be saved by his glorious grace. Folks, let me tell you something. God changes our family. God changes our status, but God, more importantly, changes our future. He promises us a full inheritance. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. And we, we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit with us as a foretaste of future glory. We, for, we, For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Boy, I am so thrilled about that new body thing. Amen. I need some new kneecaps. I really do need some new knees. I got out yesterday afternoon and just got out there at the driving range and started working on some things with my golf swing. And and I just started twisting on that knee. And, you know, it felt good. It felt good until I got home. Then it started hurting again. Thank God for Tylenol. I'm just telling you, that's the best stuff on the planet. You see, folks, let me tell you something. God promises us a full inheritance, uh, includes a new glorified body. That ought to make us all shout hallelujah, especially those of us who are in the second half of life, and many of you are in the fourth quarter. Dean? I mean, we have some people here that are ha- ha- one step away. All of us are one step away from stepping over into glory. But folks, let me tell you something. We ought to be shouting today that God changes our future and he has promised a full inheritance to each and every one of us. He prepares, he promises us a full inheritance and finally he prepares us an eternal home. He promises us and prepares us eternal home. I love John 14. Notice what it said in verses two through three. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Even when, even, when everything is ready, I will come and get you. That's only gonna come and get the church. He's gonna come and get those that are saved by his glorious grace, those that are adopted into his family so that you will always be with me where I am. Always, he promises us an eternal home. So we go through the times of struggles. We go through difficult situations. Go through tough times in our own personal lives. If you are adopted child of the king, you have a place in glory. As I was driving over this beautiful morning from Birmingham this morning, clicking along on Interstate 20, the sun was coming up. It was just beautiful coming over. I know I'm not from the state of Georgia, but I try fast to get over here. I love this place. And I, I just coming over, there. those beautiful landscapes and the, the leaves are starting to change and the, and the beauty of God's glory is right there in front of us. It got me thinking about that verse right there. Knowing that I was gonna get to this point in the message today, he prepares an eternal home for us. When you go back to Genesis, where it says it took six days and six nights to create the heavens and the earth. Six days it six nights to create the heavens and the earth. And now he's gone home for 2,000 plus years to prepare a place for us. Can you imagine how beautiful it is right now here in this beautiful state? Right now during the leave change, this season of life. Can you imagine how beautiful glory is going to be? Can you imagine how beautiful heaven is going to be? One of the 20th century great preachers, great orators of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Dr. R.G. Lee used to paint portraits with words on heaven and he went in his last dying breath to his sweet daughter Lee. He said, Lee, I did not do it justice. And no better preacher could paint a portrait of what heaven was going to be like. But when he was staring it, stepping over into glory, he declared, I could not paint it I did not do it justice. Folks, let me tell you something. Being adopted as his children, we have an eternal home prepared for us. As a Christ follower, we don't have to wait to begin to enjoy the spiritual blessings we have in him. As an adopted child of the king, we can enjoy them right now, today, in Fairburn, georgia right now enjoying our inheritance in him begs the question and that's the last thing you'll see on your handout begs the question are you adopted as a child if so relax and enjoy the journey but if you're not I would be derelict in my duty as not a pulpiteer, but as a preacher, a deliverer of a message of Jesus Christ to not invite you to join the journey with us. Would you right now take a moment, right now take a moment and recall the moment that you came to faith in Christ? Would you go back to that moment? It may be years back. Would you take a moment and just for a second as our instrumentalists come and begin to prepare for our time of invitation, will you take that moment and, and remember that moment when you came to faith in Christ? If you don't know that you know that you're adopted as his child, we would be derelict in our duty as a body of believers not to point you to that glorious understanding today. The Bible tells us that we must call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. The Bible says we must confess our sin as he has revealed that sin to us. We must confess that sin and invite him into our lives. Folks, we're not accepting as Jesus as Savior and Lord. He is already Savior and Lord. We are inviting him and he is accepting us to join this great journey that he has for us. And in doing so, we beneficiaries of a marvelous inheritance heaven for our very own